Today on Laura Lynn and Friends. The shot is designed to do one thing and one thing only, and that is to create a serum antibody. That's how they got away with calling it effective because all they were testing for was the ability for it to create an antibody. Well, let me tell you, anything you inject into your body, even dirt, is gonna make an antibody. Hello everyone and welcome to The Last Days. My name is Laura Lynn Tatter Thompson. I don't know if it sounds echoey, but I sound really echoey in here. It's echoey to me, but uh, I'm very excited to be bringing back one of our favorite people. Uh, that is Dr. Kevin Stillwagon. And I had the opportunity to travel with him and his presentations were met with standing applause. Uh, Canadians absolutely love Dr. Stillwagon. And that is because um, he is so thorough and so very exact in his evidence, in what he puts together. So he doesn't just say, well, you know, this such and such is happening, but he, he has the data to back it up and you always feel that you've been informed. And so I'm really grateful for that. Um, in place of my father, I'm, I'm away from home. You all know that I'm away for about six days. And, uh, but I do wanna open up with one scripture um, Psalms 93, it says, the Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established, firm and secure. And um, I wasn't able to look in my dad's Bible because I don't want to travel around with my dad's Bible and end up, you know, like spilling coffee on it and whatever, and it's destroyed. So I just have a feeling that would be the kind of uh, scripture that my dad would underline. And it says, indeed, the world is established, firm and secure. So that is where we put our hope because we're about to go into some stuff. And I don't think we're on YouTube, are we, or anything, JT? Um, so we, we're going to be free to talk right off the bat pretty fast um, because the stuff that we're talking about is what they're not mentioning on mainstream media. Things are beginning to come out, but we're not hearing the whole story. We are on YouTube. That's problematic. We are on YouTube. Okay. So, um, so yeah, let's just say, okay, well, let's just say hello to Dr. Stillwagon, have some chit chat, ask everyone to go over to rumble and then get to talking. So bring on, bring on one of my favorite doctors. Hello. How are you? Hey, Dr. how are you doing? <laughs> doing great. Doing great. Yeah. YouTube. They don't like me. <laughs> I know. I know. We don't want to stay on here very long. <laughs> too much truth. Too much truth. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. Well, we'll just let everybody know that we're about to have an epic conversation and ask the YouTubers to head over to rumble.com uh, and you can search my name, Laurel and Tyler Thompson, or JT has put the link in the description of the YouTube you're watching right now. So you'll be able to go down there, click on it. But before, before we go, how, chat. yeah, it's in the chat. It's in the chat. Um, uh, what's happening with you, Dr. Stillwagon, because you're doing presentations and podcasts and, uh, you're going to be like doing an online thing that maybe we should let everyone right. know about. Yeah. So, you know, my, my whole thing is educating people on the immune system because, uh, you know, the pharmaceutical industry uses a weapon called fear. It's unsubstantiated propagated fear. And, uh, in order for, uh, the general public to overcome that fear, they have they have to have knowledge on how the immune system actually works and can prevent them 
from becoming infected by anything, even man-made bioweapons. So this whole idea of fear and needs to dissolve in people's minds. And uh, that that's my mission. That's, that's what I try to do is educate people. So I've got a, a course on immunity coming up in February, starting on the first weekend in February. It'll be uh, live uh, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern time, but you don't have to watch it live. Uh, it'll be taped and you can actually download uh, all of the, the slides with the information and, and watch it later. And believe me, you'll need to do that because it is absolutely loaded with information. Almost every, every word that I say, every sentence that I say has meaning in this, uh, in this course. So it's going to be there for anyone who's interested in pursuing that. We'll put that in the description as well. Um, and I know that you mean what you say because I appreciate your thoroughness. Um, it's one thing to say, oh, you know, natural immunity, that's like, that's really like the right. best and how great that is. But to actually have the stuff to back it up, that is not very easy and not everyone's right. able to present it. And it's what I appreciate right. about you. And see here, here's the thing. I mean, you, you can see all of these slides that, that show that, you know, this is happening, you know, the levels of myocarditis are happening and the, the levels of uh, miscarriages are going up and the, the birth rates are going down. That's, that's all fine to see all of that information. But what I like to do is give people a rationale for why those things are happening. What is going on in the human body? What is the physiology behind that? Why are these things happening? And when you start yeah. to understand those things, then you can talk to other people about it and the word gets around and, and people finally start to wake up and think about what, what, we're, what we're really doing here. Right. Now, before we leave YouTube, uh, I'm just going to check with JT, but I think it'd be safe because you're a pilot, a former pilot with Delta right. yep. Airlines, and uh, we've got a lot going on. And in fact, recently they've made some decisions about sort of extent, basically saying you could be a little bit unhealthier to fly with us. Now, that's my interpretation, <laughs> but we have right. a video and maybe yeah. we could show the video and get your, your feedback. Uh, of course, yeah. Okay, let's try that. Here's something pretty amazing that happened without much notice at all, without any explanation publicly. The FAA just made a major change in the health requirements for pilots with heart damage. The FAA has significantly broadened the acceptable EKG range for commercial pilots. Steve Kirsch reported this on his Substack. Now, the change now allows people with injured hearts, cardiac injury, to fly. Now, the FAA made this change last October just after the vaccines were rolled out and made mandatory. Why? Well, we reached out to the FAA today for an explanation. They claim they, quote, follow standard processes based on data and science, whatever that means. Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long is an Army flight surgeon. She joins us tonight to assess. Doctor, thank you so much uh, for coming on. So this, you know, raised some red flags, I would say, for people given what's at stake in commercial air travel. Why do you think the FAA did this? It's very obscure because extending the PR interval from um, the acceptable range of 120 to 200 milliseconds to 300 milliseconds um, does not improve safety. And I would like to see the data and the research that they based that decision on. In aviation, we are a data-driven um, institution and everything centers around risk mitigation. So making that um, 
broader actually puts the, the public at greater risk of a, of a pilot having um, a cardiac event that didn't get caught because um, they've extended that range. So, I mean, that's inexplicable. Everything the FAA does, as you just said, has to be designed with one goal in mind, and that's the safest possible flight, commercial, military pilot. I mean, and pilots think that way. So there is no way, in your opinion, as a flight surgeon, that this change, whatever its cause, could make air travel safer. No, and in light of the emerging and overwhelming data that is showing the uh, cardiac damage from COVID and the COVID vaccines. So what's your take on yeah. that as a former pilot? Yeah, so they got one thing wrong. They said that they extended this uh, PR interval, it's called, right after the, sh the shot rolled out. They actually uh, just extended it in October of 2022 is, is when the guidance changed on that. And so uh, they're talking about the what's called the PR interval in the heart. Um, your heart has upper chambers and lower chambers. The, uh, the upper chamber is called the atrium and the lower chamber is called the ventricle. And uh, you know, I'm sure you've probably heard of the, the pacemaker in the heart, the normal uh, pacemaker. Yes. In other words, your, your heart can beat on its own. It has its own regulatory system. It's called the SA node, the sinoatrial node that, that resides in the atrium. That's the upper chamber of the heart. So the way this works is the atrium will pump blood into the ventricle and there has to be a time delay for that to happen. And then once it's in the ventricle, then the ventricle will, will compress and that pumps the blood uh, to the lungs and also to the rest of the body. So there's a time delay from the SA node firing uh, until the AV node fires. The AV node is the one that's gonna squeeze your ventricle and start to pump that blood through your body and to your lungs. But the time delay is firmly established and always has been. It's in all of the all of the cardiac uh, textbook textbooks. Cardiologists study this. I studied it when I went to college. The normal interval, as as Dr. Teresa Long mentioned, is 0.12 seconds to 0.2 seconds. Anything over that, over that 0.2 seconds, is diagnosed as a primary heart block or a first degree heart block. What that means is something is blocking or slowing down that transmission of that electrical impulse from that SA node to the AV node. That is not normal. And so why did they do this? I think they extended the range because they were seeing the range getting larger now in pilots that have to go in for their EKG. Pilots over the age of uh, 50 have to get an EKG every single year. Younger pilots, actually, it's, it's actually over the age of 35. You have, you have to start getting uh, a yearly EKG. And so they're probably seeing this uh, elongation of that time from the uh, firing of the uh, atrium and, until the firing of the ventricle. Now, th th this, is, this is not good because there was a study that was done uh, years ago 
And, and this is the way a study should be done, okay? This took 33 years to do this study. What they did was they tested people that had that elongation of that, uh, that signal that we're talking about. Uh, in other words, theirs was longer than the 0.2 seconds. And so they checked 7,575 people that had this uh, delayed signal. In other words, it was longer than 0.2 seconds. 54% of them were female and the average age of these people was 47 years old. And they started in the year 1968 through 1974. They identified 7,575 people and then they tracked them out until the year 2007. And then they published the results. And the results showed that if you had this elongation of that signal, that signal delay, more than 0.2 seconds, if you had that, you have a two times higher risk of developing an atrial fibrillation, which can be deadly, a three times higher risk of actually needing a pacemaker later in life, and a one and a half times higher risk of dying from anything, from an all-cause mortality. That's what they found. And so for the FAA to allow this delay signal extended from 0.2 seconds to 0.3 seconds puts it clearly in the range of all of these bad things that can happen, including an atrial fibrillation. This is not good. This is not helping aviation safety in any way, shape, or form. Now, that's the FAA that did this. The FAA prints out guidance to what's called their aviation medical examiners, okay? And they have to follow those guidelines. Again, they did this back in October of 2022, just a few months ago, probably because pilots weren't able to pass a normal EKG test anymore. Now, here's, here's what I did find, and, and, and I, found, I found this quite inter interesting. The, uh, the FAA, of course, is for the United States. Now, in Canada, they have something else. It's called the uh, Transport Canada Civil Aviation Authority, and their medical examiners also have guidance, and it's called the Handbook for Civil Aviation Medical Examiners. And it's different than what we do in the United States. I just read their whole section on, on testing pilots for uh, cardiac issues. And theirs is a little more stringent than what we do in the United States. In the United States, we do an EKG that's called a resting EKG. You're laying down flat on a table and they check your uh, EKG, the electrical rhythm of the heart for about 10 to 20 seconds is all they're looking for. And that's what's sent to the FAA and they determine if it fits normal parameters and you get your medical certificate issued. In Canada though, they go a little further. They do what's called a stress test. They actually put the pilot on a treadmill and this has to be done every two years. And that's good because when you put the heart under stress, now these little things that can be subclinical start to show up on an EKG. You can start to pick up those little uh, fibrillations or those tachycardias or those disruptions in, in the normal flow of electrical energy. So I think Canada probably has a little better handle on this than the United States does. 
But still, this this is this is a terrible thing that the FAA has done. Just unilaterally gone and extended that uh, PR interval from what's always been normal from from 0.12 to 0.2. They extended it all the way out to 0.3. Th this is dangerous. You're muted for some reason there. Still muted. Reconnect your plug. Reconnect your plug. So I'll just I'll just talk a little bit more about about the myocarditis issue in pilots. The reason it's so dangerous is because it's it's uh, it, it's subclinical. In other words, it can have absolutely no symptoms at all. And so you know, a pilot can be flying along and get what's called uh, a uh, an epinephrine rush or an adrenaline rush that's going to cause call for an, a, an increase of the heartbeat. And right. if they've got this underlying uh, myocarditis issue, this could cause uh, a deadly fibrillation in the heart where the heart just basically flutters and it's not pumping the blood normally. And that's where you're getting these incidences of sudden adult death syndrome. And I believe that's what everybody saw happen to the football player, the Buffalo Bills player uh, a few weeks ago where he, yes. uh, he, he stood up and just passed out and fell flat on his back right onto the ground. And that was a, a classic uh, myocardial incident. Right. And, and before, before we let go of YouTube, this recent uh, car, or, sorry, plane crash, what is your take on that? Um, I saw, I saw uh, d did you see it? it? Was it in Nepal, I think? And um, the guy filmed the last minutes basically of his life and then the plane crashes um somebody filmed it from the sky and it kind of just started it was going along straight and then it just did a nosedive quite right. literally that happened quite a while ago um and the only explanation i have for that is uh is a pilot suicide that the pilot uh purposely put the aircraft into a nosedive Wow. Um, an airplane's okay. not going to do that on its own unless, unless there's a, an absolute catastrophic failure that's going to force the flight controls uh, to do that. And that is almost impossible uh, to happen to, to modern aircraft that, that we fly today. So right. it, it was probably okay, something that was know. done intentional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, it's bad, bad for those folks to have maybe experienced that, but, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's just a guess. That's my guess on yeah. what happened there. But right. Because, you know, planes and and I know you yeah. felt safe in them. And yet it's such an unusual thing that we're way up. There. Well, you know, I, I always felt safe flying uh, as a passenger, but not so much anymore uh, with as many pilots have uh, undergone this coerced procedure of, of having this injected into their bodies which right. we now know and we'll let go creates... of YouTube now just say goodbye to them yeah. and we'll head over so okay. we can talk about it yeah i i agree yeah yeah so i mean it's it's very clear from the start that this shot did not do what they said it was going to do right 
What, what did they tell us it was going to do? That it was going to prevent transmission and, you know, it was going to protect everybody and this was the right thing to do. That was an absolute lie. And, and we knew that back in February of 2020 when that quarantine ship called the Diamond Princess was, was uh, quarantined for two weeks off of Japan. There were 3,711 people on that ship, including the crew. 712 of those people got infected and only nine of them died. And those that died were all elderly and frail. That's about right. what you would expect from a normal flu season. And it never really changed from that. And so there was some agenda where they wanted to scare everybody into thinking that this was an absolute deadly virus. And so everybody panics and now they want a vaccine that quote, protect them. But what, what we know, and Fauci knew this, and Walensky knew it, and everybody uh, that was involved in producing that, this vaccine knew that it could not stop infection, nor can it stop transmission. And the reason is because the shot is designed to do one thing and one thing only, and that is to create a serum antibody that is always inside of you. It can't stop a virus from getting in you, and it can't stop it from spreading when it does. So that's how they got away with calling it effective because all they were testing for was the ability for it to create an antibody, right? Well, let me tell you, anything you inject into your body, even dirt is gonna make an antibody. That's what the idea is to make an antibody. So their whole idea is that by making this antibody or the memory to quickly remake it, that antibody would then be in place to react to the next infection when it happens. That way, the duration and the severity of the symptoms might be less. But in order for that idea to work, the antibody must be absolutely perfect and be able to recognize any variant of the virus that would ever come along. A natural infection is going to be able to create that perfect antibody because it allows the immune system to see the whole virus, all of it. But this shot won't do that because it is only targeting one very small piece of the virus, not the whole thing. It's the spike protein, and that's the part that mutates. So that's why people who got injected are going to continue to get infected. And when they do, that antibody that was created by the shot is actually going to enhance the infectivity of the virus and make the symptoms even worse. And we're seeing that now. We're seeing that people that are hospitalized are the ones that got all these booster shots. Okay. So the shot is designed to make the spike protein. And we know that the spike protein can cause myocarditis. We know that it's in all of the literature. In fact, all of these companies, uh, Moderna and Pfizer, that wanted to get FDA approval in the United States, they had to go through what's called a biological licensing application. And that requires them to track out the incidence of myocarditis until the year 2027. So they've acknowledged that it is in fact happening. And there's, there's a black box warning about it in the package inserts of these things, okay? So here's the problem, any pilot, who has myocarditis is not going to be eligible for an airman medical certificate. 
That's a rule. If you're diagnosed with myocarditis, you cannot be issued a medical certificate to fly, to fly anything, even a small Cessna. You can't get a medical certificate. So the fact that the FAA, the governing agency of flight safety in the United States of America, would allow this product to go into pilots and result in something that's going to make them ineligible to fly is an indication that this whole system is entirely broken. It's just absolutely broken. Wow. Now, myocard myocarditis isn't the only thing that can happen with this shot. It's microclotting that can happen as well. Microclotting is little tiny blood clots that start to form. And the problem with that is it starts to block your little tiny arterioles and capillaries. Now, that doesn't sound like it's going to be a big deal, but it is because your organs and tissues that are on the other end of those capillaries, they need to get proper nutrients, proper oxygen, and that's carried in the blood. And if it can't get there, then those organs are going to start to go through a disease process. It's going to take several years to develop but it's definitely going to develop into a pathology, okay? And it happened so far down the road that they say, oh, well, it couldn't have been the shot. Well, it was the shot because it's creating these little tiny microclots. Now, here's the thing. We can test for microclotting. It's done by what's called a D-dimer test. If your D-dimers are elevated, it is clear evidence that your body has too much clotting and it's starting to break those clots down and that will increase the level of the D-dimer. We also have a way to test for myocarditis and that's by using what's called a troponin level test. If you've got myocarditis going on, you're, you're getting damage to heart cells. You can't feel it. You don't know it's happening, but the troponin level is going to be elevated when this is happening. So what we're, what we're trying to get the FAA to do, and also uh, airline uh, companies themselves, the, the CEOs, the guys in charge, we're trying to convince them that, look, you need to start testing pilots for these very simple tests right now, the D-dimer levels and the troponin levels. And if they're elevated, then you need to start doing something because there is help available. If you've got microclotting going on, there are some things that you can do to decrease that level of microclotting. Uh, one of the things is just to increase the level of nitric oxide that's in your blood. And there are some products available that do that, that are on the market. They're, they're nutraceuticals, they're organic products, they're, entire, they're completely safe. One of them is called Cardio Miracle. And there are other products that are available. Another thing that you can uh, use is uh, a, a natural proteolytic enzyme that's called natokinase. And this is in products that are available on the internet called Vesiclear, for example. So any of these products that, that can be used to uh, degrade those clots, break them down, prevent them from sticking to the blood vessel walls, and increase the, uh, the elasticity of those blood vessels is definitely going to help uh, that microclotting problem. Now, right. if you've got if you get, if you got microclotting going on, there are some things uh, that you might be able to uh, detect going on with your body. Uh, one of them is called a, a transient ischemic attack, 
And you definitely don't want this happening to a pilot because basically what that does is the tiny blood clots are going to be uh, blocking off certain areas in your brain and it affects your ability to think and you'll get into a brain foggy type of situation. Another thing it can do is impact your vision. So you might start to lose your forward vision and only have your peripheral vision, or you might lose the exact opposite. You might uh, uh, lose your peripheral vision and keep your forward vision. But these are transient things. They, they will come and go. And, and, and that, that's when it affects your brain. Now, in your heart, if you start getting blockage of those coronary arteries, now you're going to start to feel what's called that angina pain. You, you might get some chest pains. You might get some pain radiating up into your jaw or maybe into your arm. That's a clear indication that you've got uh, clotting going on in the coronary arteries. And that is definitely, definitely not a good thing. Now, the problem is, and I, I know this, we have pilots that are flying today that have these uh, angina pains going on. And they're afraid to say anything about it because they know darn well they're going to lose their license. You see, see how see how bad this gets. So it's affecting flight safety at all levels. Now, you know, everybody says, well, this could never happen in an airplane because you know you've, you've got two pilots up there. The chances of both of them passing out or dying at the same time is very very rare. Well, I admit that that's true. But we are setting ourselves up for a perfect storm here. And here's the reason why. If, if the captain, who is highly experienced, has some kind of an event while they're flying the aircraft and they lose consciousness, and now you have an inexperienced co-pilot, and believe me, we do have a lot of inexperienced co-pilots right now because uh, for various reasons, the airlines are understaffed right now. Uh, I, I won't get into that. Part of it was the fact that they let too many experienced pilots like me go when they, sh when they shouldn't have done that. But anyway, they're, they're getting too many inexperienced uh, pilots um, occupying the right seat. And if something goes wrong, now you don't want an inexperienced pilot in that seat because these aircraft are, are very, very technical. They're very advanced. They're very, very complicated. In fact, the, air, the aircraft that I flew was called an Airbus, and Airbus is a, a fly-by-wire aircraft. It's entirely computerized. The, the computer basically does fly the airplane, and you're just there as a monitoring <clears throat> tool to make sure that everything is operating the way that it should be. And so if that automation starts to go wrong and starts to go bad, and you don't know how to reprogram it and get it going back up again, you could actually lose control of the aircraft. We've actually seen this happen uh, when, these, when these Airbuses first came out years and years ago, decades ago, when they first started uh, you know, putting these things up in the air and test flying them. We've had test pilots that didn't understand how the automation worked and crashed a perfectly good airplane. They're very, very technical. They're highly advanced. And so you don't want a pilot that is that is inexperienced in that situation. I've actually seen this myself, Laura Lynn, when I when I started when I started flying the Airbus, and this was decades ago. I was fairly experienced, but I was in the right seat because I wasn't senior enough yet to become a captain on the Airbus. And now I'm flying with a brand new captain 
and something starts to go wrong with the automation and the captain doesn't understand what's going on here what's the airplane doing and you need to have an experienced pilot up there that understands the automation and can get the aircraft back on track or you're going to get yourself into serious problems so back to what i was mentioning before we're setting ourselves up for a scenario here where we could have uh, an inexperienced pilot taking over the aircraft now Let's say that an inexperienced pilot gets himself, him or herself into a situation where they're, they're starting to get confused and they're going to have that epinephrine or that adrenaline rush that I talked about earlier. That's really all it takes if you've got this subclinical myocarditis going on. That's really all it takes to uh, call for an increased heart rate. And if you've got that myocarditis that's uh, interrupting the normal electrical activity of the heart. The heart then goes into what's called a ventricular fibrillation, where the heart is just sitting there fluttering and it's not pumping the blood. And now that's when you end up with a sudden adult death syndrome because you're going to lose consciousness and the heart's not going to be able to come back. And that's going to be the end of the story. I don't want to see that happen. I hope it never happens. But what I'm saying is we're setting ourselves up for a disaster. We don't need to be doing that. We should be testing pilots and flight attendants and mechanics and air traffic controllers right now with simple tests looking for these things so that we can prevent a disaster from happening. You know, um, I'm feeling this stress because I just flew and I've noticed the last couple times that I've taken a flight. Uh, normally I'm, I'm not alarmed. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I used to be scared of flying. Then I lost all my fear of flying. And now, now <clears throat> right. I, I, I honestly have anxiety. Yeah. Well, flying, flying is very, very safe and it's been made safe by, by the FAA and the action steps that they've taken through the years. Now the FAA, they can be proactive and, and prevent, uh, you know, something from happening. And they, they've done that. A good example was when they extended the retirement age of pilots from, from 60 to 65. They had data that showed that when pilots uh, retire uh, and, you know, they, they go home and they, you know, have a different lifestyle, uh, some of them die. And, uh, you know, it was a significant amount of, of pilots that died. But they didn't have any data to show that was this actually something organically wrong with the pilot or was it a change of lifestyle that did it or was it a feeling of of loss of worth that did it because they're no longer working and i mean it could be could be a lot of different things and so they decided to uh, uh put out a mandate where no two pilots over the age of 60 could be in command of the aircraft at the same time so basically what they were doing was tracking all of the pilots over the age of 60 to see if anything bad happened, if, if any of them were, were, were going to die while, while they were over the age of 60 and still working. It took them seven years to look to see if there were any safety signals on that. And there were no signals whatsoever, none. Mm -hmm. So then they said, okay, well, it's all right to have, you know, uh, two, two old guys in command of the aircraft at the same time. That's not going to be an issue. But what did they do with this shot? <laughs> two days, literally two days, Laura Lynn, after uh, uh, Moderna got its uh, emergency use authorization, the FAA came out and said, we recommend that all pilots go out and get this shot. 
Now, the FAA never mandated the shot, and I don't believe that the, the Canadian Aviation Authority uh, mandated the shot as well. But they left the door wide open for the companies to mandate the shot. And that's what happened. The FAA should have stepped in right away and said, no, we need to have time to look for any adverse reactions that could happen with this shot because we don't have any, right? We don't, we don't have any data like that. And so, you know, th this type of safety signaling goes on all the time in aviation and people don't even realize it. But if a mechanic, for example, is working on an air aircraft, just doing a normal routine inspection, and they find something that doesn't look quite right, like maybe there's a bushing that looks like it's wearing out prematurely, that gets entered into the logbook. And then that goes to the FAA. And then if the FAA sees a signal that this happened in another aircraft, they will put out what's called an airworthiness directive. It doesn't ground the entire fleet. It doesn't bring aviation to a grinding halt. It doesn't, you know, put the airline out of business. All it does is it says, look, we found this. It could be a safety issue. We're going to put a time limit on this. We're going to say every aircraft now that has this problem in the fleet has to be inspected. And if the bushing is wearing out or whatever the problem is that they found, it has to be dealt with and it has to be replaced. You see how that works? That's a, prevent that's a preventative thing. That's what they should be doing right now with pilots and flight attendants and mechanics and air traffic controllers, everybody who's involved in flight safety. They should be doing these simple tests just to see what is the baseline do we have indications that these pilots and, and flight attendants have microclotting and subclinical myocarditis? We need to know. We should know this. Right. We don't want to be reactive and wait for something bad to happen. We don't want that. No. So as you've been watching uh, everything progress, we're seeing um, died suddenly is, is happening a lot. And, right. you know, it's, it's starting to come out slowly, like Dr. Um, I don't know how you say his last name, Mahotra, or uh, he, he kind of yeah, came out Dr. on the Mahotra. BBC. Yeah, yes. and, and he got away with it, you know? Yeah, yeah, stop the shot stop. now. <laughs> stop yeah. the shot right now. There, there's clearly, there's enough evidence that, that this is, this right. is creating, creating issues. And do, do people have got to start to see this. Yeah, like, do you I think do. this is I just going to increase? Like more and more people I are, do. like you say, the spike protein, and it takes time, but it happens. I, and I do, I do think that it's going to increase, and the reason is because if if you keep getting more of these booster shots, you're putting more and more spike proteins in into your blood, into your vasculature, and we know that it is the spike protein that is toxic. The spike protein by itself can cause damage to the endothelial lining of, of blood vessels. We know that now, it does that. And so if this happens in larger arteries, it can cause a deadly aneurysm and you could have a rupture of a major artery. If it happens in the brain, it's a brain hemorrhage, you're, you're gonna die. If, if it happens elsewhere, it could be a, you know, an aneurysm that ruptures somewhere else in your body. This is not a good thing. And also, that spike protein attaching to uh, the myocardial cells is going to cause an influx of uh, white blood cells 
the white blood cells are there to stop this from happening, but it's going to be inflammatory. Okay. It's, it's going to go after those spike proteins uh, in an inflammatory way. It causes swelling and an influx of more uh, white blood cells into the myocardial tissue. And that is what is called myocarditis. Okay. That is what is going to cause that disruption of the normal electrical flow of energy through the heart. And that's what's dangerous. Now, if you let this go on too long, then you end up having uh, cardiac necrosis or death of, of uh, muscle cells in the heart. And once that happens, that is permanent. There is no way back from that. No way back. So this is why we got to start testing pilots now. Uh, luckily, you know, pilots are, are pretty smart, you know, and they've, they've decided not to get these booster shots. Not, not many pilots are going out and getting the booster shot. And that's a good thing because it's the booster shot it's, it, that's, that's creating this myocarditis issue. And the reason is because it sets off what's called the complement system. Uh, in your body, the complement system is like the heavy artillery of your immune system. So when you when you get that first shot, okay, it's telling your body to make spike proteins. And your body's reaction to that is to make antibodies against the spike protein. That's what it does. That's normal. But what's also normal is those antibodies are going to decrease over time. They're going to go away. That's normal. If we kept every antibody that we ever made in our body, our blood would be sludge. We wouldn't be, wouldn't even be able to pump it. So it's the memory to make those antibodies that's so important, not the numbers. And so, you know, Fauci and the government and everybody else says, oh, look, your antibody levels have dropped. You got to go out and get a booster shot now to raise those antibody levels back up. That is the most dangerous thing that you could ever do. And here's why. Because the idea of that antibody is to prevent that spike protein from ever showing up again. See, if it shows up in a natural infection, the idea of, of the antibody is to be able to attach to the spike protein on the virus and block it and stop it and stop it from spreading to other cells in the body. That's how it's supposed to work. Okay, but what's this booster shot doing? The booster shot has messenger RNA in it that's hidden inside of a lipid nanoparticle. And that lipid nanoparticle is made of normal body fats, cholesterol and DSPC, normal body fats. So when that's injected into your body, your body just accepts it as normal stuff floating around in your bloodstream. The immune system can't see it. It can't see any of that stuff. So those lipid nanoparticles are going to bind with cells in your body, any cell, any cell at all. See, a virus doesn't do that. A virus needs a receptor to attach, specific receptors. And when it does, then the cell will make more copies of the virus and maybe release them, but not nearly as many as what this shot does, because the shot, again, the lipid nanoparticle go, goes into any and all cells and tells those cells to start cranking out spike proteins by the billions. Now the immune system can see them. 
But what did I say before? The antibodies are supposed to be there to stop that from happening. So now it is happening. And the immune system is going to overreact to that and say, something is wrong. I need to activate the complement system. I need to get these special proteins in the body to go after those spike proteins, wherever they are. Go after them viciously and attack them. And when it does, it not only destroys the cell that are making the spike protein and have the spike protein attached, but it can destroy normal tissue around those cells. And that's where you start getting the real damage that starts to occur to the body. It's called multi-inflammatory syndrome. It can affect all, all tissues of the body. This is not a good thing. And when it happens in the heart particularly, now you've got that elevated level of myocarditis. And that's what's deadly. Wow. It's the booster you know shot what? that's I don't doing understand. it. The booster shot. What? what I don't understand is uh, the way that you explain it is is just so uh, helpful because it helps us to all break it down and 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 understand what's yeah. happening. I don't understand how Dr. Fauci in the United States, how Dr. Teresa Tam in Canada, Dr. Bonnie Henry, and all of these people propagating safe and effective, safe and effective. Um, that right. this has got to be knowledge that they should know, and yet the, they're not acting on it or admitting it. Well, they should know it. But again, the ultimate goal of these shots is to create the antibody. That's what the goal is. And they think that there is protection in the antibody, but there is no protection there. None. The protection that you have from infection in your body is cellular. And I talked about that in, in our Canadian tour up there. You've got three very specialized cells that are like guard dogs that, that guard the fence. It's an epithelial fence that separates the inside of you from the outside of you. That's where your protection is in those cells right there. The antibodies are only there as a backup plan. They're always circulating in your blood and they're just waiting for an infection to happen so that they can react to it. But Antibodies are kind of like Goldilocks and the three bears. They have to be absolutely perfect or they're going to hurt you, not, not help you. And that's what we're seeing right now. These, these antibodies that are created from the shot, they're very specific. They're very targeted and they're just not, they're not working. Right. That's clear. Well, I thank you uh, for for all of this information and uh, for the refresher. Sure. I, I was just been reminded yeah. of uh, how much I enjoyed listening to every single one of your presentations. I must wow. have heard you twenty times when we, we I know were traveling you did. city to city. <laughs> but see, and, that's what I was that's yeah. what I was saying before. You know, it it takes probably about five times to listen yeah, to, to some really of the stuff it. that I to really get it. Yeah, yeah, because it's not it's not intuitive. But it's not that hard either, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you can understand these concepts. Yes. And that's what I'm trying yes, to get people to do. The way you explain it is very helpful. Yeah. And so uh, before we go, uh, let's just put up your, um, you're doing uh, an online course basically or a- Right, yeah. It's, a, it's an online course on the immune system and how it works. And it's uh, on odem.cloud. And you can find it there if you just search the, for the word immunity. 
and uh, sign up for the course. It's, it's not free. It's a $99 course. It goes over four weeks and uh, you don't even have to watch it live. Uh, there will be links that you can download and watch it at, at your, your convenience. That's excellent. Yeah. And I suggest it for, for everyone. And this is something that you can pass on to someone who has, because there's all kinds of people, like they do want to know information, but they, ah, they don't know who to listen to. And, and you just present it so well. And we want to stop our loved ones from getting that next shot. And right. if we can do anything, like, let's do it. We've got the people who've decided not to, and there are believers anyways, yeah. pretty much. But, but those that are, you know, having to make more decisions, we, we don't want that right. happening. No, we don't. We don't. And, you know, I, I said very early on in this, in this whole issue uh, of, you know, people getting these shots, they, they kept asking me, what's it going to take to stop it? And I said, what is going to take? And, th and this, is, this is just human nature. It's going to take when everybody knows somebody that either got maimed or killed, and the only explanation could be the shot. That's when the nonsense stops. Now, Steve Kirsch, you mentioned him earlier. He's, he does a lot of very, very important surveys. And he just did a survey on that. How many people do you know, or do you know someone who was either hurt or killed? And the only explanation could be the shot. And, and, the, and the level of people that, that admitted that is about 22 to 28% right now. That's where it is right now. I hate to say it, but that number has to get higher for people to wake up. Yeah. So yes. you and I are and trying to wake them will. up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. And I are, are trying to wake them up before that number gets gets any we're higher. Doing our part. That's what we're trying to well, do. Well, I just yeah. thank you so much, uh, Dr. Stillwagon. And uh, let's do sure. this again and let's do it more often, sure. actually. Because okay. <laughs> I always Absolutely. enjoy chatting with you so much. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, keep up the good fight. Thank you very much. And God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Very wonderful. It was just such a privilege and an honor to travel with Dr. Stillwagon to many, many, many cities, crowd after crowd after crowd, just enjoying this information. And there's so much more, you know, we can only get in a, a, a portion. So I'd highly recommend signing up for Dr. Kevin's, um, for his, uh, his teaching on the, the immunology and immunization in your body. Uh, we're going to go to some things that uh, are important for us to know. Uh, Ivan Pororov takes a stand based on his religious convictions as a Russian Orthodox Christian. <laughs> Take a look at this. I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm going to say. Any, uh, like I said, that's all I'm going to comment on that. Um, if you have any hockey questions, I would like, I would answer those. Just, uh, can you just kind of find what you can find your religion? Russian Orthodox. So with the game tonight, Ivan, um, obviously Kevin Hayes had a hat trick and uh, Erasmus's first goal of the season. Can you walk us through the emotion that the team is feeling in that? Yeah, for sure. I'm Okay, good. So, so for those of you who don't know, like um, as a player, he wouldn't wear the pride jersey, and he was just wanted to, you know, stand up for his religious convictions, and 
So those were the questions that ensued. Um, interesting times now. You know, we've got um, one young lady who is suing her coach when she refused to uh, take a knee when the national anthem was being sung. So all kinds of people beginning to stand up for free speech, for what they believe in. And uh, if, if this person has a right to their beliefs, so does the next person. How it is in a free democracy. All right, a liberal host of Breakfast Television uh, talks about inclusivity in sports and expresses his disgust for some athletes not bowing uh, and towing the LGBTQ line. Uh, the NHL player, uh, oh, didn't we just do that one? Oh, maybe we have it on here twice. Okay, never mind. That was probably the opening, right? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so here's uh, CNN discussing the how they are overcounting COVID deaths. Well, this is interesting. No, no, no. Go to the this the the one you were setting up. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Sure. I thought it was the same. Go ahead. The theme from the National Hockey League is hockey is for everyone. Okay. The theme is not hockey is for everyone, dot, 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 unless you don't believe in gay rights, then do whatever you want. If the National Hockey League is going to do this, if any league is going to do this, do it properly or reevaluate what you're doing. Because there's not a lot of repercussions that I'm seeing from any league. Now, it could change with the NHL. could change with the NHL. I think you find the Flyers a million dollars for this. I'm not kidding. Figure this out. And stop offending people on nights where it's not about that. It's supposed to be about inclusivity. The National Hockey League need to attack this and figure this out. Because what I heard last night was offensive and didn't make any sense. Because, for instance, if that was a military night, okay? Right. If anyone in Canada or in the States on a military appreciation night wouldn't wear a jersey pregame, do you have any idea the uproar that would have happened on that. Mm -hmm. Do you have any idea the backlash? Do you have any idea what happened on social media? It's, it's, it's ridiculous what would have happened. It was just a minute ago we were talking about the uproar that was happening with FIFA fever, where it's, if you were seen with so much as yeah. a rainbow anywhere, you had to fear for your life, imprisonment, or death. Yeah. Seriously. So And now here we are. I, I just think the NHL has to do something here. This is not good enough. This is not good enough. Hockey is for everyone, dot, 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 unless, unless you don't agree with gay rights, is not the phrasing of this. You're either in this or you're not. And one last point. Nothing scares me more than any human being who says, I'm not doing this because of my religious beliefs. Because when you looked at people's lives, you normally say that publicly, you'd throw up at what you saw. Wow. So here's a guy who thinks that everybody has to think the way that he does. And somebody simply making a stand. Um, now, this also can go with pro-life or pro-abortion, whether you're pro-euthanasia or you're not. This can cross a lot of different lines. And this very liberal host is basically, you know, this is the way that we're getting talked to all the time if we don't want to promote that. No, this nation was founded actually on biblical principles and we get to have any principles and thoughts that we want. That's how it is. We just get to. And you don't get to be the boss of us. And you don't get to tell us how we think and how we have to think. And 
it's interesting, isn't it? Do you see the venom and the anger when somebody simply says, nope, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And it's just based on my, my religious beliefs and all holy hell breaks out, right? This is the same thing as with transgenderism. Uh, if you are not going to accept that a man can be a woman, well, you are a bigot and you're a racist. And by the way, you're a terrorist as well. This is where all of this is going. The reason the world is conforming to all of this because they see guys like this with all of his anger and his nastiness about it and his very, very tiny worldview, his own world, how he thinks it should be. And they all join in and they create this narrative and the agenda. Then people that are watching kind of get scared. Oh, I don't want anyone mad at me. So I guess I'll just conform. That's what they're doing. Total fear mongering. What we have to do is not bow to that at all. We have to have more and more and more people just like this player saying, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm not going to take a knee during the, the national anthem. No, I'm not going to raise a fist for BLM. No, I'm not going to do any of that. I, I'm just simply not. And we might have to get equally as passionate because it's, it's not right. Not at all. All right. So um, now on CNN, they discuss the overcounting of COVID deaths. Doctor, these are two separate things here, overcounting deaths and overcounting hospitalizations. As you know, I covered this closely being in the Trump White House when this happened. I talked to a lot of health officials about this who are actually kind of skeptical of this claim that you're making. And I think one big thing has been what is the evidence that these COVID deaths are actually being overcounted? Well, this is the reason why this kind of transparent reporting is going to be so important. There is a way for us to look at death certificates and also to look at the medical records of individuals prior to the death. And I think this needs to be separated into three categories. One is the um, the COVID as a direct contributor, the primary cause of death. The second is, could it be a secondary contributing cause? So, for example, somebody with kidney disease, COVID then pushes them over the edge to have kidney failure. That's COVID as a contributing cause. And then the third is COVID as an incidental finding. So somebody coming in with a gunshot wound or a heart attack and they happen to test positive. I think that we need to separate out and look at the percentages of each. That percentage would have shifted over time as well. In the beginning, probably a lot more people were dying with the primary cause of COVID. That probably has shifted. And I think, again, we need to understand this. Another reason to understand this, too, is a lot of people are wondering when they should get a booster next. When do we need a second booster or another booster? And the only way we can for sure is to understand who is getting severely ill and when. But doesn't that change who? He that is um, doing the, you know, the, the doctor, uh, she has been on now for a couple of years that I've seen her and uh, she, she has always got uh, something kind of crazy to say. Um, Interesting to me that a little bit of truth is actually being asked for. I, I think that there's some changes recently that we've seen that are bringing, bringing about perhaps some better outcomes, actually, if we can begin to see the truth. Uh, prescribed freedom, protecting the rights of Floridians to choose. So DeSantis, uh, see if I can pull this up a little bit. 
Permanent protection against the biomedical security state. I absolutely love this. Permanently prohibits COVID-19 mask requirements throughout the state. Permanently prohibits COVID-19 vaccine and mask requirements in all schools. Permanently prohibits COVID-19 vaccine passports in Florida. Permanently prohibits employers from hiring or firing based on mRNA jabs. This is, this is good stuff, everybody. It's prohibiting discrimination based on COVID-19 vaccine status. Now, don't, don't you all want to know why our uh, premiers are not on this kind of thing? I mean, maybe Danielle Smith, in all of her bravery, could begin putting in something like this. In Canada, are we able to put in these kinds of rules? So it protects medical professionals' freedom of speech. That's very important. Why are our, our medical people here in Canada are just being discriminated and losing their jobs for telling any kind of truth? Protects the right to disagree with the preferred narrative of the oh, boy. narrative of the medical community. Protects the religious views of medical professionals. That's absolutely wonderful. And that DeSantis, he just keeps hitting home runs. Absolutely. We hope to see him as the president of the United States of America uh in a in a few years and uh perhaps that could lead to a new prime minister here in canada somebody who believes believes in freedom and would be willing to do these kinds of actions and personally i feel that would be maxime bernier i don't think we will be getting those kinds of actions uh even from our uh conservative party i don't think we're going to see that kind of protection we wish it were true but it will not be. Canada performing more organ transplants from made donors than any other country in the world. So this is a very uh, difficult and conflicting thing. The death debate in indeed. So a growing number of oops, patients who request medical assistance in dying are asking to donate their organs for transplant says an international review that found that Canada is performing the most organ transplants from made patients among the four countries studied. The report is the first ever review of the growing use of this new practice around the world. Um, well, and organ harvesting has certainly been going on in, in China for quite a while, and uh, they, they don't get any kind of choice in the matter. So made is becoming a prominent thing in Canada and it's going to change a lot of the way we do things. Rebel News is reporting that Environment Canada has no actual data that the plastics ban can actually reduce plastic pollution. So one of the things uh, my husband always talks about is how he thinks it's a bit of a fraud and a, you know, a fake thing that, you know, we do all of this, um, you know, recycling and all of that. Uh, but we don't really know if it's helping. The federal government has no data on the efficacy of their recent prohibition of six types of single-use plastics and the relabeling of the product uh, as a Schedule One toxin joining the ranks of arsenic, asbestos, and mercury. Oh, I can't stand that guy in the picture there. Um, so I want to lead that into this next video because it's all about the environment, right? It's all about, you know, 
we've got whales dying. They're rolling up on the shore. It's being caused, they do believe, by the, the noise that those wind turbines are making. And it's causing harm to the animals in their ears and potentially killing them. So there's a lot of problems with green energy, a lot of problems with how we do things. Well, um, so here is, uh, oh, I missed one, didn't I? Oh, I, oh, I jumped a whole bunch. Okay. I'm, I'm back. John Stossel is going to be talking about the folly in trying to recycle plastics. This is very fascinating. Take a look. Do you recycle? For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything I possibly can. For decades, we've been told. Recycle America. Don't just throw it all away. Because recycling will save the planet. You're saving the earth. And that's what people believe. We have to do it for the kids, for the next generation. This will all be back on the shelf as a cracker or cereal box in about four to five weeks. This recycling company is run by Lynn Hoffman. If we're not using recycled paper and cardboard, we're cutting down more trees. Recycling paper and cardboard does save trees. Recycling aluminum does save energy. But most of the other stuff is impractical to recycle. That's right. This is material that came in to the recycling facility from people's recycling carts and is going to leave as trash. Huge amounts of what people send to her recycling plant will never be recycled. The worst is plastic, which for years has been marked with the recycling symbol. We see stuff like this all the time. Recycling arrows on it. Please recycle. It's not recyclable. Now, my city would save more than $300 million a year if it just stopped recycling. Recycling is an industry that's using increasingly expensive labor to produce materials that are worth less and less. Because it's not worth recycling here, much is shipped overseas to countries like Malaysia, where it's just piled up. A vast field of plastic, two stories high. Some of it from America. Let's see if we can look on the back here. Marysville, Ohio. Look, Walmart bag. They just dumb here and then they burn it. That pollutes even more. And what they don't burn, they sometimes dump in the ocean. One garbage truck of plastic is dumped in the sea every minute. Barely any of that plastic comes from American shores. If you think of the United States as a football field, all the garbage that we will generate in the next 1,000 years would fit inside a tiny fraction of the one-inch line. So, that is what my husband complains about, that he's doing all the recycling and making it work. And uh, he was talking about one time he worked at a place and all week long, the company was, you know, forcing everybody and making sure do this, do that, put all the recycling in this blue box and here's the garbage. And then he was there late and saw the cleaner come in and dump everything into the same bag. Oh, he was fit to be tied. Okay, you know Davos is going on, right? Um, so John Kerry claims that globalist WEF types are a select group of human beings. Take a look. And when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we select group of human beings because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives are able to sit in a room and come together 
and um, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so almost extraterrestrial to think about, quote, saving the planet. And if you said that to most people, most people, they think you're just a crazy tree-hugging, lefty, liberal, you know, do-gooder, whatever, and, and there's no relationship. But really, that's where we are. <laughs> okay, and here's one more clip. Um... GB News from the UK about all the high-class prostitutes that are descending on Davos. Take a look. Wednesday's Mail now, Leo, and an unusually robust assessment of the world's political elite from the Mail. <laughs> yes, the Mail is reporting from Davos, uh, where demand from prostitutes is skyrocketing during the annual World Economic Forum. So they, they'll tell us, this is where all the politicians and the yeah. top leaders from all around the world, yeah. the business people well, to get be fair, together. They normally go to Blackpool or Brighton. It's the same story, isn't well, yeah, it? I mean, not, party conferences. Yeah, I mean, like, they, basically, prostitutes go where the rich guys are. Yeah. They're going to have that, sex. I mean, he's, but, he's, you, but he's, he just, but wait, wait, wait. Wait, 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 wait. Did he just say that the people, the same women who are flying into Davos are going to Blackpool? No, to go not to the, the same class, obviously. These <laughs> yeah. people are going off to service. Uh, well, yeah, because these, uh, these women are 700 euros for an hour or uh, 2,300 euros for the whole night, plus travel expenses. You've got to pay for a bus fare on top of that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, yeah, that's, that's where all your taxes are going. This is where all these politicians in Davos, they're all getting together to work out how to make our lives worse. Oh, you can't have a gas stove. You've got to eat insects. You're not allowed to have any, you're not allowed to have, uh, you know, gas central heating anymore. Meanwhile, and, uh, meanwhile they're just And like, there was a photo, I don't suppose we've got a copy of it, but there was a photo in the mail. If you want to have a look on their site, you'll see it. Of, um, I think this is one, Salome Balthus, who is one of these sex workers, and she is absolutely stunning. But more importantly, her photograph, you know, it's like, it's like, a, like a perfect photo shoot. It looks like a yeah. Calvin Klein high-end, you know, I mean, like, they have marketing materials. Oh, yeah, they, were, they weren't... She wasn't snapped on the seafront at Davos. Yeah, they're making a, and they're making a lot of money. I mean, this is really? a serious... In Switzerland, it's actually legal, but they still... Right. They dress... Uh, apparently, one of, mm. one of the prostitutes is saying she dresses uh, in an executive yeah. suit. Wow. So that's what's really going on with the, uh, the people that are over there. A lot of that going on, too. <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, you know what? It's all corrupt and it's all evil and it's all complete perversion. And you can bet that these evil minds um, are, you know, trying to plan and, and scam on how they're going to depopulate the world. And at the same time, they're doing all kinds of illicit and immoral things on the side. So, hmm. I'm glad that somebody's reporting on it because... There's a lot of money there and there's a lot of planning and they try to make it look so like it's such a good thing. I mean, the world tries to present this like anyone who's anyone is at Davos and is, you know, in on all of this, the, the good, the good decisions and the good agendas that they're putting forward to help the world. But behind it all, they're just dirty, rotten scoundrels. Well, let's end on a really cool story. Um, you know, remember this uh, this latest story where Damar Hamlin was injured on the field. Uh, a very fascinating clip was aired on CNN, and I won't say more. Take a look at this. And I think what you saw was just a reaction of players when their brother went down, somebody who they've eaten meal, meals with and they've bled with and they've gone through training camp with and somebody that you truly get to know and get to love. And so that's why you see both sides. Like, it didn't matter 
that one team was from Cincinnati, one team was from Buffalo. When something happens within the brotherhood, there's a hurt there. But, you know, part of the reason, as you mentioned before, that we pray before we go out is, number one, for unity. Uh, but also we understand that we aren't in control of everything. To me, it's such a, a, a reminder not only of the, you know, the violence of, of that is at you know, the heart of the game of football, but it's the frailty of human life, that, that somebody in their prime, an incredible athlete at the top of their game, life can change in the blink of an eye. And, you know, and it can for all of us. You're exactly right. Uh, these times bring us face to face with our own mortality. And we all have a, a day to be born and we all have a day to die. And so often in, the, in between those two points, we feel invincible. Whether you're a professional athlete, <laughs> whether you're at the top of uh, your profession, uh, whether you're feeling healthy, you understand that sometimes there's a reminder that, hey, all of us have an appointment with death. But I think after that, it also makes us realize where are we? Where do our hearts stand? If that were to be us laying on the field or if that were to be us laying in a hospital, what would our next steps be? And so on the flip side, with such a tragic event, there is tremendous opportunity. Uh, part of my prayers right now, Anderson, is for the players in both of those locker rooms, for the chaplains, who I know very well, who are right now uh, counseling and comforting players who saw a brother in a near-death experience and who was still fighting for his life. Because the questions about what happens after this life, where will you spend eternity, as you mentioned, Anderson, are coming up for all of us, not just for the football players, but thank God that he provides an answer through his son, Jesus Christ. Mm. Oh, isn't that cool? Isn't that cool that this guy is just talking, you know, on the most corrupt network of all time about the power of Jesus. My name is Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson. My website is lauralynn.tv. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, thank you for supporting us, for, for praying for us, for your wonderful letters. Thank you for your donations. Thank you for the hugs that I get as I cross the country. And uh, by the way, we're gonna be doing that a little bit more. Um, and we're lining up some things and some places to go with Dr. Mackis and Dr. Peter McCullough. So stay tuned. I'm very excited. It's going to be great. Oh, do I have glasses here? Let's see. I can probably do this myself. I'm going to um, read to you from the word today. Thank you very much for spending your time with me. One of the most important things, like this last gentleman that was just on, is knowing where we will spend our eternity. And uh, I thank God that he is there for us all through this life. I was speaking to someone just today. I was witnessing just a little, asking them where their thoughts on eternity laid. And very interesting that they believe in Jesus, but also said, well, and I, I believe in the universe. And I said, well, I don't know if you can believe that in Jesus and all that he represents and you can also believe in the universe. Well, you know, there's lots of ways and you put out this positive energy, positive energy. So I was encouraging him that when you believe in Jesus, the word says that there is no other name by which men can be saved. 
and <clears throat> it's not about the universe the universe is what God made the universe is a thing with lots of energy that doesn't think for itself it has energy that is told uh, how to function and it was created by God the energy does not have one iota of understanding about your destiny your plans um, what God has for you not one little bit so a lot of times people go to the scripture in John 3 16 where it says for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him not who believes in the universe not who believes in tarot cards or soothsayers or crystals that's very cool that the earth has energy spots you know and that certain things have energy great that energy has no idea how you were created who you are there's only one being and one God his name is Jesus there's God the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish but have eternal life that's it that's how simple it is for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son this is the verdict it says light has come into the world but people have loved darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil that's why they're blind the Word of God lets us know that there are many that are on their way to heaven and a much wider swath of people that will be on their way to hell and that's because they have not accepted the light they have embraced evil and when we look at the world leaders these days the decisions they're making how they're governing governing our world doing what they do in the darkness of night making decisions that harm humanity these men they will face their judgment one day for us it's the choice of if we receive Jesus as the one true God it's so simple see you tomorrow everybody have a good night you know it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing but for some of us we feel that we have no choice because if we are silent about these abominable things then we are letting evil go unchecked and we cannot do that for those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement I am deeply grateful thank you for all the letters that you've been sending thank you for the donations and the support I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.